Welcome, everybody, to the RV Podcast, episode number 356. And this week, we are going to talk about what we know is really bugging you. Mosquitoes? Mosquitoes. Welcome, fellow travelers. It's time for another episode of the RV Podcast. Answering your questions, sharing tips, suggesting great trips and off the beaten path adventures, and always staying on top of the RV lifestyle news you need to know about with great interviews and inside industry information. Here's your hosts, award winning journalists Mike and Jennifer Wendland. Hey, everybody, welcome to the podcast. We're Mike and Jennifer, and uh, is Bo in with us? No, he's downstairs with us, but I don't know quite where he is right now. Probably he'll, doing a squirrel check. He'll he'll make as soon as we we this is a certified bow certified squirrel free zone. He'll make his <laughs> appearance and come into the podcast. But we're glad you're with us on this uh, first podcast of for the month of August. Can you believe it is August already? Yeah, since last week was July. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's just it's gone by so fast to me. I'm I'm amazed. Uh, we have a couple of things to report. First of all, for those of you on the road, and we know a lot of you listen to us as, as you're driving, we help fill in those miles and get to travel with you. Uh, if you're heading west, um, there's been a lot of rain, we know, in the western states. They call I can't it, believe they say monsoon rain. Yeah, it's monsoon season. That's actually its official name with the Weather Bureau. Oh. They're actually calling it that in their weather forecast. And uh, they had a lot of rain over the weekend, mudslides in some of the areas that have been recently devastated by forest fires. Uh, it did help a little bit with the drought that has been plaguing some of the western states. But the fire situation um, remains pretty much unchanged. Uh, just as we started preparing this podcast, uh, we did a quick check and there are over 90 active uh, forest fires, wildfires, uh, most in the western states, uh, and those are just the ones that are over a thousand acres in size. And uh, the map is pretty amazing when you look at it and you see how much uh, is out there. With all that goes to say is there's a lot of smoke. Yeah, that would make for a lot of smoke, which uh, doesn't make for a good vacation. And it's pretty much from New Mexico up to Montana. Yeah, and then uh, the smoke. As we reported, I think last week, we we know it's a smoke in Michigan. Mm -hmm. We know it's uh, been seen as far as east as New York. Uh, so uh, just heading west, you don't want to drive through that stuff. Be aware of the weather forecasts. Uh, it's a strange year. Uh, did you notice how the heat index has come way back up again up in the north and no yeah. in the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, that's it's, unusual to have it so warm. Yeah, it's uh, it's been crazy. So. Uh, as we're reporting this, a lot of flash flood warnings are out. Uh, New Mexico and Montana, um, parts of the southwest, even the deserts of California, they were getting uh, uh, these monsoon-like uh, seasonal rains, they're, they're called, but uh, pretty heavy. So our big project this week was something that you have been uh, talking about for a long time. We finally got it installed, our uh, soft start. I know, our soft start. Finally, we've got it in and uh, anxious to go out there and mooch dock. Yes, um, we did a check on it. If you don't know what soft start is, it's uh, a little gizmo. It costs about 300 bucks. That's if you buy it through our affiliate link, which is um, softstartrv.com slash RV lifestyle. We'll put it uh, in the description below. But uh, it's a little device that you put uh, on your air conditioner. And then it allows your air conditioner to run if you're plugged, if you're mooch docking and you're plugged into traditional 20 amp household current. And uh, also if you carry along, uh, some of you carry those small 2000 watt portable generators, this will also uh, allow your air conditioner to run when you're plugged into a small generator like that. So we're going to use it for mooch docking and, uh, uh I did learn a lot about extension cords. You did. And, you know, I wonder if this will someday be added to RVs automatically that you won't have to have them installed. Do you think, do you see a future in that? I that do. Maybe someday? I think some of them, you can order them as an option. I'm, I'm not 100% certain on how all of that plays out, but I know that in our case, uh, the, the best thing we can do is, is uh, they're part of our partners uh, page and, they uh, give a, a, a nice uh, discount to our 
our folks, it's normally three twenty nine, and you can get it for two ninety nine. I think if you use that uh, that uh, code uh, that uh, softstartrv.com slash RV lifestyle. But we tested it out, and the extension cords are interesting because I first tried it on just a one of those little orange extension cords. I think we used it for for like a tree, a little hedge trimmer or something, mm-hmm. a little hedge trimmer or something. Mm-hmm. And I've been carrying that in the RV, and it would start it, but it wouldn't wasn't enough. And so I finally called them. They have great support, by the way. So I called them up, and they um, they basically said, well, what kind of extension cord do you run it in? Well, I happened to be, it was, I think, a 14 gauge. And you really need to have at least a 12 gauge. That's a pretty heavy duty extension cord. And uh, they said, if you have a 10 gauge, that's even better. 10 gauge is like really thick. It's as thick as your finger. Uh, I got both of them and found that it worked fine on the 12 gauge. You only want one extension cord. And so in our case, I got a 50 foot one and they said, try and keep your extension cord length under 50. And uh, I have a 50 foot and um, uh, it, I pop, plugged it into a little outlet, 20 amp outlet in my garage and we had the air conditioner working. So we could moose stock in our own yard if we wanted. Well, I think what's good is supposedly you could do this yourself. If you're handy at doing things like this, you can do it and you can call up and they do have great support to help you do this. Now, extension cords are they normally 25 feet to 50 feet yeah you, yeah. you don't get like 30 feet you get uh, 25 no. or you get a 50 yeah maybe there's somebody who makes them that way but i i only found 25 well you can get a 10 foot too yeah. but i found uh 25 50 and 100 and 100 is too much and the um the 10 amp power a 50 foot 10 amp, is this too heavy to carry it's really big uh but it's neat now in terms of installing it uh i did not do it uh, I just don't, uh, I keep telling everybody, you, you might follow us as influencers, but we are not experts. We will never pretend to be experts on how to fix things in your RV. Uh, I'm about the most unhandy, handy man there is. I'm really good at pushing that little button to make the battery come down when the smoke detector goes off. You are very technically oriented. You can just everybody turn Everybody needs that. one of those, yeah. too. Uh, but that's about the extent <laughs> of our technical expertise. So uh, we had, uh, we called and uh, with the help of Soft Start RV, uh, that we got a, a local AC guy and he came out. He had never seen it before, never worked on an RV, climbed up on the roof and uh, in about 15 minutes and probably three or four of those minutes were, talk, were spent just chatting with me. Uh, he had it installed and working great. So it's pretty easy to install. Uh, I just didn't feel comfortable going up on the roof and taking off the cover and hooking it all up. Many of you I know can do that. It's supposedly a very easy job, and it sure was for my tech. Um, and uh, that's it. I can share his number if you need it. Holler, I'll, I'll send you a note. Just contact us at Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. Point is, it's not hard to hook up, and it's pretty. They're really good. In fact, he was on the phone with them up on the roof, and they actually on the phone walked him through to make sure he had it right. So. That was our big project last week, and I'll have a video on the whole thing coming in a, in a couple of weeks, but it was pretty cool. I'm delighted to have it. Ever since I've heard about that, I have wanted it. Yes, you, you've been talking about it for a year. I've been talking about it. Yeah, I promised her for a year. Let's be honest, <laughs> I promised, but we did it. and we are, we're, are, we're golden now. We are golden now. Uh, we got some stuff in from uh, viewers and followers that we want to share with you this week. That's always fun. As you know, this podcast is both audio and video. And uh, those of you who listen to us on your app, uh, you might want, if you want to go back later on, you can look at the uh, RV Lifestyle channel, uh, youtube.com slash RV Lifestyle, and you can see some of the things we're going to talk about here. But uh, I think you'll pick up, you know, what they are, even if you don't see the photos. But those watching on the video uh, version of the podcast, they'll see them. We call this picture this tall. Somebody with a great sense of humor designed this. It's a duck with a little (laughs) wing sticking out, and you have to be this tall to fit under that bridge that's up ahead. You know what? I guarantee somebody photoshopped that. It's not a real one, but it's pretty. Nobody would do that, but they should. It would be a great. It would become a tourist attraction. It would if they did that. And you know what else would be good if they really did that in real life? That little wing sticking out, and people would drive under it. They could break off the wing rather than cause damage to (laughs) 
under that bridge. Have you ever seen those videos of people in RVs and trucks driving under bridges too low? There's a whole series of them on YouTube. And I don't know, people watch them for entertainment. They just make me cringe. They but... make me cringe too. I don't enjoy that. I remember once we almost did that. Yes, we came close. We came close. We did get, we did stop and move Somebody around. Somebody stopped us. Uh, but anyway, somebody had fun with Photoshop, and uh, it, I think uh, that's a great idea. Uh, the next photo that we got is a little bit, uh, it's a little bit, I, I debated whether I'd show it, but I'm going to. How many of us have ever been driving down the road? And he said, I don't want to stop it. I want to keep going. But I got to stop, kids or your passengers. I got to stop. I got to stop. Um this is uh, a photoshopped version of what an RV could look like if you're not going to stop till you get there. It shows instead of the uh, driver's seat in an RV, it's a toilet. <laughs> a toilet I, seat. I, I think that's guy humor. Of course, men do not want to stop. What I love about the RV is I can get up and use the restroom if I want to and walk around a little bit in case you get crazy and uh, won't stop. But I think that's some male humor. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I you know if I offended you, I promise I won't ever show that again. How's that? <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, that is a, a, an issue I used to face a lot, especially in the early years of RVs. I just wouldn't, I would just keep going and going and drive hundreds and hundreds of miles a day. And it took days to recuperate. And I think that's the one thing we've gotten better at is not Normally, normally not going as far as, as I used to go. Oh, it used to be insane. But we always had to get back. We always had an emergency. We always had something we had to do. And it sure takes the joy out of it. When you have to be there. Yeah. Uh, here's one. Um, what do we call uh, this one? This is a great photo that was uh, posted by the uh, National Park Service. It's called <laughs> Yoga <laughs> Bear. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, this is my favorite place in Alaska. It's Katmai, Katmai National Park. And this is by the falls where all of the bears uh, come every July and August. And then they come back again just before the freeze up and uh, gorge themselves on salmon. And this is a, uh, a beautiful brown bear waiting for a salmon to go by. And he's striking a great yoga pose. So <laughs> obviously we call this uh, yoga bear. And uh, He's uh, bear number 94, if you, if you see the photo and you want to know who he is. He's a, it's, a, a, it's not a he, it's a female, adult female, and uh, sitting on the rocks and um, looking like Looking cute. So that's Yoga Bear. And then uh, one more. This is just kind of a, a, a neat little photo that somebody sent us about uh, ugly table legs. Have you ever seen those metal legs that many RVers have in the little kitchen nook or the, you know, the little dinette table? Um, they had one, the folks who put this together, uh, and uh, it, they made it look like wood. Wow, I'm impressed. Yeah, Maya Wood uh, posted this, and uh, she didn't like the black metal table legs. So what did what'd she put around them? She put some sort of contact paper that make it look like wood. Wood grain. Yeah, wood grain. Mm -hmm. And it looks really nice. And it's a great little how-to idea. So we love getting that kind of stuff. If you have mods that you've done in your RV that you'd like to share with everybody, send us the pictures. If you've got uh, funny things you've seen on the Internet, you want to have some fun, send them to us. We love to share them with uh, all of the folks on the podcast. And like always, the best way to reach us is just uh, email Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. All right, when we come back, we've got lots of RV news of the week. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. Battleborn batteries. Battleborn batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. And battle-borne batteries are protected by a 10-year guarantee. Now in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have. And they'll probably be the same on your rig too. Battleborn battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. 
Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborn batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. When we're on a road trip, we always seem to find a way to stop at a Camping World Center. There are over 225 Camping World locations across the country, and there's always one close by when we need parts and accessories for our RV or just want to shop. In fact, uh, we have so much fun with uh, Camping World, and as we talk about it as one of our sponsors, they have agreed to offer a 10% discount if you use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10. When you buy $99 or more in merchandise, you'll find everything you want from outdoor furniture and appliances, the ones you see us use in our videos and that we talk about here in the podcast. RV extras that include everything from camping chairs to fire pits, electrical accessories, must-have gas. Just check them all out. And again, don't forget, use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you visit CampingWorld.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for this segment, News of the Week. And our first story is something that we've been talking about for a long time, about how crowded the parks are, the national parks. And the U.S. Senate has taken note of that, and they're having some meetings and talking about this. Yeah, they actually held some hearings, uh, the National Parks Subcommittee uh, in the Senate. Um, and they had uh, lots of stories, lots of people came in and talked, and one of them were uh, the Chamber of Commerce from uh, Whitefish uh, in uh, Montana and uh, near Glacier National Park. And it was interesting, they uh, were telling the, the committee about all of this anger that is caused by that uh, controversial entry uh, system procedure, that this new rule where you got to get you, you have to get pay, permission. Got to get permission ahead of time and a permit and pay for it. It's a little couple of bucks, but you got to do that. And then you're assigned a specific time to get into the park when you have to go in. And if you miss that window, you, you don't get in. And they were talking about how angry people oh, are. Yeah, that would do it. That would make people very angry because a lot of folks didn't know they needed it. And then for those that, you know what, life happens and you can't always get there at that time and then not to get there. And you've only have this week or couple days and uh glacier is part of the trip and you've been so looking forward to it what a way to take the joy out of it yeah to get there and stand that line to get in and mm. where's your permit you know <laughs> and, you know it's, it's um the committee also heard a lot of stuff about uh, a lot of talk from the park service itself about how many search and rescues they've had how many emergencies they've had and they're short-staffed they yeah. don't have the people to go out there and search and rescue. Yeah, yeah. despite these record numbers, these ever-growing numbers, the number of employees at the national parks hasn't changed a bit. A bit. No. And uh, so they've had all these different ideas on how to try to ease all of this. And one is to try, maybe we could help with this, trying to encourage people to go to the lesser-used parks. Because yeah. everybody thinks Yellowstone and Glacier and you know, the big ones like that, maybe some of the other parks around. Yep. Um, as this podcast comes out on uh, August 3rd, it's a free day. You can get into the, all the national parks free, <laughs> unless you, <laughs> unless it's one of those systems oh, where boy. you don't have a permit. <laughs> can you imagine the confusion there? Uh, and that's because uh, the Great uh, Wilderness Act uh, legislation, which is supposedly going to be used uh, very soon now to help build out the infrastructure and improve things, uh, they're celebrating that. But if, if I worked at the Park Service, I would not want to be there on free day. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, uh, do you remember the story? Uh, maybe a month and a half, two months ago, we showed you this uh, viral video that folks took at Yellowstone of uh, some woman who was bluff charged by a grizzly bear at Yellowstone. And the story unfolded that uh, there were a bunch of people there and they saw uh, some bears and this uh, grizzly female with her cubs and everybody said oh it's kind of they're they're kind of grazing they're moving they're coming a little close let's get back and this woman didn't get back she just kept standing there with her selfies and taking pictures and the bear bluff charged her the mama bear did and uh, you know everybody was yelling get back get back and she didn't get back and so good for them the folks at yellowstone put her photo out and shared that video and said who well, is she the video went viral actually yeah. it was in spring and they found the woman she's from illinois you know you get caught there's all these cameras taking pictures yeah. so this woman from illinois i think it was last week she was charged yep 
and uh, and that is good. So she's uh, got to go to court. So they charged her, and uh, you know the bear just get away from my kids. He didn't go after her. It's just that what they call a bluff charge, and you can see it in the video. Um, but thanks for those other tourists who made it available and that yes. they were able to catch him. And this woman, not only did she endanger her own life, but uh, the bear and the cubs. Yeah. Because the bear would have been put down Better if, if yeah. uh, it had hurt her. And uh, she was totally inappropriate. These people, I, they think they're at Disney World. A few, um, couple, three years ago, the folks at Yellowstone um, came up with something called the Yellowstone Pledge. And really, it should be for all national parks. And uh, they just, they, they've made a video version of that in which they get a number of different rangers uh, to very creatively tell you the things like, you know, don't take those kind of selfies. Don't try and get so close to the animals. Best thing is, it's only a minute long. Uh, we're going to play uh, the video now. Those on YouTube can see it. Those watching the video version of the podcast, uh, you'll hear it all. These are all the voices, though, of uh, rangers at Yellowstone National Park, and it's called the Yellowstone Pledge. Hey there, social media fans. Are you planning a trip to Yellowstone this summer? My fellow rangers and I have some great tips to help get you started. As you load up for the day, remember to pack your patience. Summers can be very busy, so expect crowded boardwalks, traffic delays, and limited parking. Practice safe selfies by never approaching wildlife to take a picture. Keep 25 yards away from all wildlife except for bears and wolves, and 100 yards from them. Boardwalks lead you to amazing places, but hot springs can be deadly. Stay on the trails and the boardwalks when exploring thermal areas. Protect your friends and family and the bears you come to see by hiking in groups, making noise, carrying bear spray, and knowing how to use it. And if you really want to show your dedication to the park, take the Yellowstone Pledge. Encourage your friends and family to do the same and take your photos with hashtag Yellowstone Pledge. I respect and love our rangers at all these parks. I mean, they're out there because they love nature and they care and, and they see the consequences of our not behaving properly. We've got to do all we can to support them. Yep, and the best way to do that is to be a part of that Yellowstone Pledge at all of our national parks. Here's another story that is uh, making the rounds this week and it's uh, kind of weather related. It has to do with uh, something called cyanobacteria, and I think I'm pronouncing it right, but cayenne, like the color, cyanobacteria. It's also known as blue-green algae. And normally that algae is always in our, in water, in still water, fairly still water, but- Fresh uh, water. Yeah, fresh water. But when uh, it gets really hot, it has these huge blooms that can be very toxic, especially to pets. And so there's a number uh, of warnings that have come up across the country uh, if people are uh, finding these toxic algae blooms in lakes or reservoirs or, or in uh, rivers. So blue-green algae. So we have to be alert to that, particularly for our pets as well as ourselves. We shouldn't go swimming in this. We shouldn't let our pets swim in it or drink it. Again, we have to be aware. Um, yeah, we've heard reports of these blooms in a number of states across the country. Uh, so watch your pets. It can be mm -hmm. it can be harmful to humans, but particularly if the if your dog drinks that water, uh, it could very rapidly become sick. And um, there are always a few pets who die every year. And people say, "I don't know what happened. Did he drink from fresh water? Was there algae in it?" So be very careful. All that heat uh, is causing this. Uh, Oregon officials just issued a, a health warning about it up in the state of Oregon this mm -hmm. past week. So that's our news from the week. And when we come back, we'll have the RV questions of the week. Let's talk about protecting your RV from the elements. And the best way we know how to do that is with EmpireCovers.com, makers of quality covers for your RV that will protect them from rain, mud, pollen, and other elements that you have to waste your time cleaning or worse that can end up damaging your vehicle. Whether you own an RV, a travel trailer, or a camper, EmpireCovers.com is here to help you protect all your vehicles against Mother Nature. They offer high quality, affordable covers that are engineered to protect every cover comes with a free warranty to guarantee it remains durable. The RV podcast listeners can receive free shipping plus an extra 15% off their entire order. 
Visit them at empirecovers.com slash RV lifestyle. Empirecovers.com slash RV lifestyle. Empirecovers.com. Protect what you love. You're now looking at one of the most amazing solutions we've found for helping find great campsites. Just like Google Street View, but for campgrounds. We can now go and virtually tour campgrounds across the country thanks to campgroundviews.com. They are directly integrated with recreation.gov and allow you to pick your dates and click on and pick sites that are available. You can then reserve your site directly from recreation.gov with confidence that the site is just what you want it to be. It's a game changer for all of us campers seeking great camping sites. I've been finding amazing camping sites all across the country using this tool, and it's live right now for members to use. Go to campgroundviews.com, get access to the solution, and watch and experience as they bring hundreds more of these locations online for us to tour. This is revolutionary technology at your fingertips right now. Go to campgroundviews.com, check out the brand new campground virtual tours, and finally, look where you're going. Welcome back, everybody. Time now for our RV questions of the week. And you know that we love to get your questions. We love to get them by email, any way you want to send them. But when you send us a video version of your question, you can be sure we're going to answer it. Uh, and uh, that's what we want to encourage you to do. Just send them to us at Mike and Jen, all one word, Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. You just take a selfie with your phone, hold your phone horizontal not vertical like you do on Instagram, but the other way. And uh, we'll take either way, but I mean, it looks better. <laughs> As you'll see in the question we're going to share this week. Okay. Our first question is from Brad Olson, and it looks like maybe he was taking a hike and he had a question about leveling for day camping. Hi, Mike and Jen. This is Brad Olson from Minnesota. I have a question I hope you can answer. When you go out on your day trips in your leisure travel van, do you level it when you arrive at parking lots? like when you go out for your day trips for hiking and other adventures. I know it's very important with the LTVs to have a level surface regarding your refrigerators. We're also gonna get an LTV, which will not have the automatic levelers. So I'm just curious if it's important to level our rigs when we're out for a few hours doing hiking and other type of activities. Thanks again for all your support and help and God bless. I have to say that we have never set up the levelers for just a few hours to go out hiking or exploring because uh, normally the parking lots are quite level. It, it hasn't been a problem. Yeah. Now, if you were parked like that, <laughs> yes, we would, we would probably, we'd probably park somewhere else uh, <laughs> or like that. But, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a slant's okay. And, so a little bit's know, okay. Yeah. And they're not as sensitive as, as they used to be years ago. Otherwise, we would probably, you know, if we we're going to stay there for a long time, if we were going to take a nap and somebody needed the bed to be perfectly flat, <laughs> uh, it would, uh, we would probably do it. But we've never had to do that. And we do a lot of, like, we'll go have a picnic or we'll just hang out. Or if we have to go through our email and do a little bit of work, we'll find a place to day camp. And But we've never, we've never automatically leveled it. We just don't have to. I've just dawned on me. I'm always getting grief about the fact that I like the bed to be level. I don't want my feet higher than my head or I don't want to be on a slope. Maybe we should get a little hammock, put up a hammock, and then it doesn't matter how we're parked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw a, a video that somebody did, one of those van lifer couples. That where they be didn't the third bed that we've always no, wanted. No, they didn't even install beds. They, they just had two hammocks uh, at the back of the van. And then when they wanted, they just took the hands and they kept their bikes and their kayak and everything in the back. But oh, to be young again. To be young again. Yeah. Yeah. That would be. That but that be could be our third bed. Anyway, that was a video sent in by Brad uh, Olson. And we thank you, Brad, for sending it. And uh, all of you just, again, use your smartphone and just ask a question. And then as a selfie and just email us that. And the email is Mike and Jen at rvlifestyle.com. I can't wait to see what question Brad's going to ask us next week. That's right. Uh, Brad looks like he's doing a, a video report for us. <laughs> he's all out there. I like that. And uh, I don't know. Uh, he's getting ready for his new RV. He's, getting a, he's got one on order, I know. Uh, all right. The next question is from our Ask Us Anything group. And it, uh, it's a question that we get often uh, asked because it's so hard to get an RV. 
Um, this was from one of our, our listeners there, and uh, they wanted to know if there's any wiggle room when you're negotiating with the dealer. So this is from Ask Us Anything from a couple of weeks ago. With RV dealers being out of stock, is a selling price when placing an order above, at, or below the MSRP any chance to negotiate? That darn manufacturer-suggested retail price is not bending. Um, it is still a seller's market. Oh, I was going to download some photos. We spent some time this past week in Holland, Michigan, at a RV dealer where I had a couple of little uh, repairs made for our unit, and uh, they had no inventory. They said, "Yeah, you can spend the night. Just park where we normally park the RVs." And I didn't understand what that meant. And we got there, and uh, usually in front of this place are all these new RVs that they're selling. There were none. All the inventory has been sold. In the back row, they had some uh, used units, a few used units that they were selling, but um, there's, there's no inventory. There was no inventory. And this is true of many RV places around the country. Now, uh, you'll find lots of trailers. You can buy an RV uh, trailer, a mm -hmm. towable, as it's known in the industry, a towable, the RV trailer, travel trailer. Um, they're, they're quicker to produce. They're not uh, affected uh, by this parts shortage. That's mostly affecting motorized vehicles because they need those chips and you know how complicated they all are. Um, so as a result of all of this, uh, the MSRP, the manufacturer suggested retail price is what they're getting. Sometimes people are paying above that. You've heard it happening in housing, in the housing market. It's happening. It's so crazy in the housing market. It's the same in the RV. Um, the, the salesman I talked to at the dealership we visited, uh, they told me that they are writing orders that won't be delivered for three years. In fact, one of the salesmen was going to retire in a year and a half, and he's writing orders that won't deliver until he has been retired for a year and a half. Crazy. It's crazy. I thought it was interesting what you shared about uh, when they can't get a part, like for a refrigerator or something, what they do, or a microwave. Oh, my gosh, yeah. They were telling me stories. Uh, uh, one of the dealers that they repped, uh, that they sold their product, and it was like a $400,000 RV, a motorhome. And uh, all of a sudden, a couple of the new units had sold, came through, and instead of a microwave convection oven, they had just a microwave because they couldn't get the microwave convection oven. Well, as the salesman said to me, it's a $400,000 unit and you can't make a muffin in it? So on their own, they took out the uh, microwave and went out and sourced on their own I think they bought Samsung convection ovens or some other sort of convection oven, and then they installed them. He said it cost them, the dealer, about a thousand bucks a unit to get the right thing in the unit. Uh, same thing with aluminum wheels. They couldn't get aluminum wheels. The RV manufacturers can't get them. They're offering to sell steel wheels, but you know, aluminum is what you want because you want to keep the weight down. And uh, so this RV uh, dealer is competing with the manufacturers, he's going out and sourcing and finding different places to get aluminum wheels. It's just insane, folks. It's insane. And I think what really bothers me about this is there are so many other people who kind of do what we do uh, as influencers, and many of them are, are paid by the manufacturers to drive their units, and so they can't tell you exactly what it's like. Uh, that's why I'm glad we bought our own. We, we did. Um, you got to tell people what's going on out there. Uh, the delay on the new parts is, is, and it's not just RVs. You know that. It's tr nobody's dissing any of the RV manufacturers. The industry, their association, keeps advertising this is all perfectly normal. Everybody's doing great, enjoying the RV lifestyle. But it, it's a real crisis. I feel so bad for these dealers that are scrambling to meet their customers' needs and for these sales folks who are, who are in their living doing this, who can't deliver on what they're able to sell. It's insane. So long circle around to answer your question, there's no negotiation. <laughs> no. <just right> <laughs> Excuse me, you're lucky if you can get one. The dealers are not taking an, a, you know, a crazy markup. They're not. Uh, 
the dealers are, are the good guys in this. And it's really, you know, this parts shortage. So there's not a lot of wiggle room. And a lot of it is because um, RV uh, demand is just so incredibly high. And if you want to sell an RV, your RV, now is the time to do it. Particularly if it's a Class B or a camper van, which are in high demand. Yeah, we've been hearing rumors that, what, it's 100% profit? I mean, it's up 100% over what it used to yeah. be? Yeah, um, it's all uh, predicated a bunch of this because of the delay in parts, because the uh, parts uh, shortage is so huge. There was a Senate hearing last year, last week, uh, where a number of manufacturers uh, were brought in to testify and to talk about it. And one of the manufacturers, I think it was called the Taylor Group, they uh, told the Senate panel that uh, they thought that these supply chain issues, they were convinced were going to last until the end of 2022. And they, they just talked about what a disaster the supply chain is and across the board in just about every industry. Uh, he said that uh, his company is getting price increases ranging from 30 to 70% above what they had been charging his suppliers, particularly uh, increases from transportation companies. And did you see that report on how many truck drivers uh, jobs are open in this country? That, that there's They that, have more than like 2,000 openings for truck yeah. drivers. I mean... And the transportation companies are, are very clear about this. They blame uh, these uh, uh, government uh, employment subsidies. Uh, people just aren't coming back to work. We've been almost like a weird little hobby I've had over the last two weeks. I've gone, every time we're in a shopping center, or we walk past something, I look to see how many people are looking for helpers. Every place. And we heard of one restaurant that the days it's not open, they're, they're not open because they can't get anybody to work. Oh, some days are open, some days are not. If they can't get people to come show up for work, they can't. We're having some remodeling done. Right here in the studio. And you all know how expensive wood is. If you don't know how expensive wood is, you're going to be amazed. And our person that's doing the remodeling also said that paint prices are through the roof. So inflation is, uh, is a common, I mean, yeah. shortages. Shortages, inflation. Uh, the remodeling is actually this room. Uh, this studio, we're make, turning this in because we're doing so much more video and we, we keep getting more and more equipment. And uh, you can see, you know, from uh, some of our, when you see the little back end shots, some of the stuff we have. So, you know, we want to tidy, try wanna to tidy it up a bit, tidy it up, make it look a little more spiffier. functional. Yeah. And uh, get rid of some old desks we've had and put us new. But, you know, just the process of getting furniture is impossible almost. So. Yeah, our person was trying we'll to... probably be retired by the time it gets built. Trying you know? to hold you down because you're ready to get rid of everything we have. And he said, no, wait, 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 slow down because we got to figure out if they can really get this to you. Yeah. And he was telling us stories about how long you have to wait for flooring and just everything in life. But, you know, as I listened to all of our reports, you could, if you listen to the stuff we've been talking about before in the supply chain, you could think we we're saying that, you know, it's uh, it's just the RV industry. And, and yes, it takes three years right now to get some RVs built, a brand new that you order. They'll tell you don't expect delivery for three years. But every industry is facing similar, uh, in differing degrees, similar problems. There is some effort that's going on that might change things, but not for a while. I mean, our heartbeat, our veins... The trucking industry. Yeah. I mean, you need the truck drivers to get everything all over this country. We we need the truck drivers. Desperately. And if you're a truck driver, thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. Uh, you, you it's guys, tough. You oh, guys how truly... crowded those roads are, those little cars oh. cut in front of you. And... RVers yeah. <laughs> who drive 20 miles an yeah, hour in I the 55-mile zone. Oh. Uh, but it's good. Now, at the Senate hearing, we, we did have one glimmer of hope, or at least somebody's working on it, that they're aware of this. 18 to 24 months, uh, they expect some new production facilities to be up and online in the West, in the U.S. and other Western countries. And that may help in the production of chips and batteries and all the different things that are needed. But expect this supply chain shortage, we're told, through the end of 2022. Wow.
That's so hang if you're gonna re, if you're gonna sell your RV, hang on another year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't sell it until you find what you, until you replace it with what you want. Yeah. <laughs> they want top dollar. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's our RV questions of the week. And again, we really love to answer your questions. And uh, we do uh, ask us anything which you saw there. We do a live show every Sunday night at seven o'clock on our RV Lifestyle YouTube channel called Ask Us Anything. And uh, we invite you to tune into that live on Sunday night. Uh, we also simulcast that on our Facebook uh, RV Lifestyle group and our Facebook RV Lifestyle page. But we would love to get your questions. Don't forget to send us a selfie question or email it, Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. When we come back, our interview of the week with the CDC. And no, we're not going to talk about uh, COVID. We're going to talk about what's really bugging you. Mosquitoes. And ticks. Stay with us. Have you had it with overbooked, overcrowded campgrounds? Then check out Harvest Hosts, where... RVers can overnight for free at more than 2,400 wineries, farms, microbreweries, golf courses, and attractions. Harvest Host is a membership service for those with self-contained RVs looking for unique, beautiful, and peaceful overnight camping experiences across North America. When you become a member of Harvest Host, you can camp for free at all these places. Jennifer and I are Harvest Host members, and we've made so many great memories at Harvest Host locations. There's no charge for camping, and your Harvest Host membership fee is easily made up with just a couple of stays. Plus, you have awesome places to stay. If you use our special affiliate link of rvlifestyle.com slash hh, you'll automatically get 15% off the cost of your membership. That's 15% off, but you must use the special link, rvlifestyle.com slash hh. All RVers need specialized emergency transportation coverage to cover air and ground ambulances, return to home services, and vehicle return. You only have a 68% chance that those services will be completely covered by your major medical. The sad reality is that a lot of people believe they have that coverage, but it turns out most carriers that claim to cover air ambulances only cover you for a hospital-to-hospital -hospital transfer and offer no coverage to get you to the initial hospital in the first place. The truth is 68% of air ambulances are hospital-to-hospital. -hospital. Here's a map of all the places in the U.S., that getting to the hospital in the golden hour is not possible without an air ambulance. And with an average cost of $52,481 for an air ambulance, why would you take the risk? Go to peaceofmindforrvs.com today and take a look at the true emergency transportation coverage they offer that covers it all. The coverage can save your life and your life savings. Check it out, peaceofmindforrvs.com. Jennifer and I are members, and we urge you to consider it too. Peace of mind for RVs.com. Welcome back, everybody. And now it's time for our interview of the week. You know, we love being outside, but uh, one of the downsides of the RV lifestyle in the summertime is all those stinging mosquitoes. We have a full hats that will give us a full net coverage over us. And, uh, you know, we have long clothes that you can cover up and stuff. Cover up. We have been in the woods where we have been so swarmed with mosquitoes. Uh, that, that we've left. <laughs> yeah, that we've left the woods. And uh, we have had uh, a lot, because of the weird weather and so much rain and humidity in some parts, uh, massive amounts of mosquitoes. Couple that with the continuing expansion of ticks. What used to be concentrated really worst in like New England Lyme, Connecticut, that's where it really began. Lyme, Connecticut, you know, Lyme disease. That slowly spread. Remember the, uh, Cape Cod, how bad it was it there? Was. And now we're finding ticks everywhere. And not just in the summer, but it, we've even pulled ticks off of us in Tennessee, uh, northern Tennessee, in January. So we wanted to hear a little bit about uh, mosquitoes. And uh, we have a, a guest from the um, Center for Disease Control, Dr. Janet McAllister. She specializes in skeeters. And have you ever heard of the Asian tiger mosquito? I have never heard of it, and I don't think I want to meet it. Well, you're going to hear about it in this interview with mm. Dr. Janet McAllister of the CDC on uh, how to deal with mosquitoes on your camping trips. 
Joining us now from Fort Collins, Colorado, is uh, Dr. Janet um, McAllister from the Center for Disease Control. And thank you for making some time for us. So we're talking about um, bugs and insects. And, and before we get into that, why don't uh, you tell everybody, share a little bit about your background and your specialty there at the CDC. Okay, so I'm a medical entomologist. I do research on mosquitoes. I look at ways to, to control mosquitoes. I also look at insecticide resistance. You're everybody's favorite person right now because we're all swatting mosquitoes. What are some of the simpler things that we can do? I, I did a video once where I tried every gadget and every every claim that I could find on the internet, you know, from skin so soft on your arms to yeah. some electronic thing and a fan, and none of them worked. So from an expert, what when we're out at a campsite or we're outside, uh, what are some of the things we can do to minimize the problem we have with mosquitoes? Um, so wearing mosquito repellent is one of the primary things that you can do to prevent mosquito bites. Um, you know, you can also dress with, with long sleeves and, and long pants on if they don't have access to your skin. Of course, they, they can't easily bite through um, most clothing. If it's something that's really light and gauzy, then they might be able to bite through that. Um, but mosquito repellents are, are really the number one line of defense for not being bitten by mosquitoes. So in terms of the environment, um, campsites, tall grass, times of day, uh, you know, what, what are the uh, windy conditions? What are our, our best uh, options environmentally to avoid being uh, bothered by those, uh, those, those biting mosquitoes? Well, certainly if there's a lot of um, vegetation around your campsite, like you mentioned, tall grass or bushes, someplace that adult mosquitoes can, can find harborage in, um, those are going to, to have, be more likely to have um, mosquitoes in them that would, would then come out and bite. So more open areas, uh, as far as vegetation, um, and and also, you know, people don't like to be bitten by any kind of mosquito, but a lot of the mosquitoes that are going to bite you are not actually the mosquito that's going to transmit some of these um, mosquito-borne diseases. I'm curious now, are there different kinds of mosquitoes? I thought there was only one mosquito. Yeah, absolutely. So people think um, that a mosquito is a mosquito. They, they kind of like if you think about dogs, you know, all dogs are dogs. There may be brown ones and black ones and big ones and little ones and spotted ones, but they're all dogs. Um, and, and that's not the case. Mosquitoes are more like birds. People get that a hummingbird is a very different animal from a bald eagle. They, they eat different things, they do different things, and, and mosquitoes are the same way. So while they all start their life in, in standing water um, and end up as this flying um, pest, they, they eat different things, they prefer different types of water, um, the majority of the mosquito species actually don't even feed on humans. There, there are some mosquitoes that are specialized so that they only feed on frogs, um, which they certainly wouldn't be a problem for us. I always heard it was just a female mosquito that bit. Is that, is that true or is that one that, of them? Yeah. That is true. Um, she needs a blood meal to get enough protein to, to develop a. Is there any benefit to a mosquito? I mean, do they do anything? People say snakes, for example, and nobody likes snakes. Most people don't, but snakes do good things. What about mosquitoes? Is there any, is there any function that they, they form out there other than making us glad to go inside at night? Well, they do serve as a source of food for, for other animals. Um, they're, they're not the sole source of food, so, so there's not any particular animal that 
only eats mosquitoes and if mosquitoes went away that that um, animal would would suffer but they do um, serve as part of um, the food chain to us and the in the, the symptoms that somebody sh has that should cause them to seek medical uh, assistance what 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 are those symptoms um, so really, if you feel bad enough to go to the doctor, so um, some of the symptoms are going to include um, a high fever, you may have headaches, um, occasionally there could be um, a rash, um, I'm glancing over because I have a list of my symptoms here, um, um, body aches, joint pains, vomiting, diarrhea. So they, the, these viruses cause kind of a flu-like illness. And um, certainly flu is, is associated with winter months. So if you're having some sort of flu-like illness in the summer months, um, then you should, uh, it, if they're severe enough, you should be going to the doctor and and trying to figure out what is causing those symptoms. The best time of day or night to avoid a mosquito. Uh, and then sunshine versus cloudy days. Anything that we should know about them if we want to minimize our, our exposure to getting bit by yes. these symptoms. So the majority of mosquitoes feed um, either at night or right around dusk or dawn. Um, there are some mosquitoes that will bite any time of day or night. Um, some of the um, some of the more pesty mosquitoes, like the Aedes albopictus or the um, Asian tiger mosquito, will bite any time, day or night. But they really don't prefer to get out of the shade. So if if they're in the bright sun. Um, that's going to be drying on them. That's going to be detrimental for them. So they tend to not follow you out into bright sunny areas. But okay. certainly on a cloudy day, they don't have that issue. So they can hunt you did, during did, the day as well. Did, did you say Asian tiger mosquitoes? Yes. Yes. That, that sounds like an invasive species. Is that a normal? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, it is an invasive species. It, it came into the United States, we think, um, through the ti used tire trade and established itself back in 1986 uh, and has been spreading since then throughout the um, southeast and, and now the um, eastern U.S. The, the other thing that we hear about is uh, our ticks. Uh, it seems like we're having a kind of an, a, an epidemic, I hear, of ticks, and we hear so much more about Lyme disease. And I know, I, I don't think that's, is that your, that's not your specialty, or maybe it is, but uh, we're talking mostly mosquitoes, but I have to ask about the tick thing. Is, is that getting worse or better? Um, yeah, so certainly um, ticks are very important, and there are a lot more cases of tick-borne diseases uh, than there are of mosquito-borne diseases. We estimate there's probably on the order of 300,000 new cases a year of um, Lyme disease. Um, but we have also found um, several new tick-borne diseases here in the United States. Um, they're, they're pretty rare, um, but we're just starting to really, I think, scratch the surface on what's going on in ticks. I, I know before we get off ticks, I know as we travel, I have seen more signs in places that say ticks are now here. It, it, it's almost like they're going into areas that were not much of a problem uh, before. Is, is there any validity to that or are we just hearing more about it? Yeah, so ticks are um, seem to be expanding their ranges. So we're starting to see um, some of the for, for example, the, the main tick that transmits um, Lyme disease, its range is expanding. It's, it's expanding further to the west, to the south, and, and to the north. So it seems to be um, moving. We don't know exactly why um, we're seeing more of it, or more of the ticks. Well, you have certainly, I, I could go on all day because you've got to <laughs> 
Listen, I want to thank you for helping us uh, get a grip on, uh, you know, how big this problem is, how we can kind of minimize it, what we have to be worried about. And uh, maybe as we get more information about ticks and other things, we can have you back. And uh, I just want to thank you for making time there for us. And uh, Dr. Janet McAllister, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. And it's been a pleasure talking with you again. Thank you for inviting me to um, talk with you. That was very interesting, but my basic takeaway is something that I've always felt, that mosquitoes are good for nothing. And uh, if no animals, you know, really need to eat them, part of the food chain, they're just here to torment us. Yeah. I mean, the animals could that do eat them could live without them and do just fine. Yeah, so... It's not like they're caviar or something for these animals. So mosquitoes, they're absolutely worthless, except, I guess, to torment us. And I don't think there's much of a... Uh, ticks, they tell me, have, feed more animals feed on ticks, you know, like opossums eat ticks. Oh, yeah. And they, they love, uh, you know, so that's kind of good. And snakes eat ticks. Mm -hmm. So, but I bet they could survive well without ticks as well. So, <laughs> all right. We thank Dr. McAllister for making her time available. We hope you found that interesting the next time you're out there swatting mosquitoes. When we come back, it's time for Mark Kep and another hidden campground gem. Tired of overcrowded campgrounds, competing for reservations, paying high fees for sites? Well, ownership is an emerging trend in RVing that might be right for you. Jennifer and I visited the Landings, a lakefront community just west of Nashville, Tennessee, that offers incredible lakefront RV properties up to 70 times the size of typical RV lots with frontage on the biggest lake in Tennessee. We loved it. The scenery is breathtaking and you own it outright. Not a timeshare, your property, your way. You can have your own private dock. You can landscape, garden. They're pet friendly. It's gated and secure with high speed internet. There's even free RV and boat storage. A wonderful place to make your home base. No more calling around for reservations. It's ready whenever you want. Dockable lakefronts starting at only $59,900. There's financing and big discounts on multi-lot packages. For information, visit rvlakes.com. That's rvlakes.com. If you've visited an RV park lately, surely, besides all the RVs, you've seen these e-bikes. Jennifer and I are proud e-bike owners, and the e-bike that we chose are Rad Power Bikes, America's number one e-bike brand offering direct-to-consumer pricing on powerful premium electric bikes. Jen and I love our Rad Power Bikes. We use them to go around the campground, to explore the area we're in. I have the city bike version. Hers is the step-through model. And those are just two of a whole bunch of different models offered by Rad Power Bikes. All of them can reach 20 miles an hour with zero pedaling. But of course, you can also pedal. And you've got five different levels of pedal assist to make the going just a little bit easier and fun. You can go between 20 to 40 miles on a single charge. Now, here's the deal. You can save $75 off if you use the coupon code RV Lifestyle at checkout. Plus, of course, free shipping. It's time for Mark Kep and another hidden campground gem. Okay, Mike and Jen, let's look at a new hidden gem that I found for you located in the state of Florida. And I know a lot of folks are out there starting to think about their fall and winter travels. And Florida is a very popular spot. It fills up really quickly in a lot of places. But this location's a little bit of a hidden gem. It's, it's more known by the locals, less by folks traveling from out of the area. And it's located in a national forest north of Orlando, Florida, and it's in Ocala National Forest. Specifically, the campground we're looking for is one called Alexander Springs. There's a number of campgrounds, um, and there's even an RV park located within this national forest. Um, this one specifically we're looking at is Alexander Springs Campground. And what makes Alexander Springs unique is it's located near this crystal clear water of a natural spring. The spring feeds a, a wading and swimming pool that's in the main area with a beach and people enjoy that. You can also bring kayaks and go out and paddle along the waters. Very, very scenic location. It's a, it's very kind of tropical, not tropical, but um, you know, rainforesty type of feel. A very unique spot to go both swimming, kayaking, or just to camp. 
The campground itself is a very scenic spot. It has uh, many sites that are located within a highly wooded setting. So that's the only caveat with this place. If you have a really big rig, um, there are a lot of these trees that overhang the road, as you can see from this uh, virtual tour as we go through this campground. The roads themselves are paved. Um, the sites are back-ins or pull-ins, depending on which direction you go into them, because uh, there's no utilities here. So it's, it's dry camping. Bring your, your solar panels to um, boondock a little bit at this spot. There are fire rings and picnic tables, and you are within a short bike ride or walk from the springs that we looked at. This location is located, again, north of Orlando, Florida, in Ocala National uh, Forest. And that location, as you can see on this map, so you have Daytona Beach to your east, you have uh, Tampa's a little bit southwest. Uh, You're in a really kind of central spot to go explore. This national forest is beautiful because it's generally really quiet. There's some roads that drive through the forest. There's trails all around. A very unique location, and that is our hidden gem of the week for you, Alexander Springs Recreation Area in Ocala National Forest. There will be a link in the description that will take you to this page. You can learn more, add it to your trip calendar. And this has been our hidden gem for you. All right, Mark, thank you for that uh, hidden campground gem, another great one that we can find through your program, campgroundviews.com. And just before we went on the air, I got a news release that uh, campgroundviews.com sent out. They did this survey um, amid the ongoing pandemic and the shifts in outdoor recreation. And I thought it was fascinating. They surveyed um, about 2,100 uh, campgrounds and RV parks nationwide about uh, what they were finding out. And here's what they found out for uh, late summer and early fall. They found that bookings, these campgrounds are reporting a 20 to 49% increase in advanced bookings for late summer and fall. And uh, there's no signs, in other words, of this camping boom letting up this year. Many of them are also reporting, we're told, um, booking lots of bookings uh, for even 2022, uh, way ahead of schedule. So uh, that's why we need uh, sites like uh, campgroundviews.com because we can find those hidden campground gems. If you want to find the one that Mark showed us this week, no problem, it'll be in the description below. Uh, just click that link. It'll take you right there. And again, check out campgroundviews.com. It's a great service for you to find hidden campground gems. Okay, so what's next? Now it's time for Off the Beaten Path with Tom and Patty Burkett. Hey, Jennifer and Mike. Did you know that residents of Ohio travel more for pleasure than residents of any other state in the U.S.? The pandemic gave us incentive to look around our home state with the eye we normally take on the road. No surprise that we found innumerable stories right here in our backyard, just as we do in other places. For us, much of the joy of travel is that feeling of being submerged in a place, using a conversation with a resident to begin to feel a connection to the life and geography that are around you in such a way that it imprints itself in your understanding. Rather than asking a question and moving along to the next thing to see, we choose to ask a second question and a third. And then we take a little wait time and look around to see if maybe there isn't a fourth question there too. It's one thing to have an album full of photos to remind us of the beautiful and interesting places we've been, and we certainly do. It's quite another when we see a photo of that extraordinary public toilet to connect it with the woman who's the town librarian and the projectionist at the town's tiny movie theater and who bakes the cookies they serve in the local restaurant. That woman who loves her little town in the Midwest and is doing everything she can to ensure that this place, so full of history and life, doesn't disappear. I often tease Patty by saying we should keep a wrapped wedding present in the RV. That way, when we see one of those cardboard signs pointing the way off the road to the Knickerbocker Kimchi wedding, we can put on our best clothes and go calling. After all, half the guests at a wedding reception don't know the other half, as often as not. It's that kind of entering into the life of a place that makes it real to us. And it's entering into that layer of understanding that makes travel more of a journey and less of a pastime. When we're driving through a town and we see folks setting up lawn chairs on the sidewalk, you can bet we pull over and get our chairs out too. When we see a sign for a potluck dinner at the church near where we're camping, we bust out the deviled eggs and join in. 
Mostly, it's cultivating the courage to join in even though you're not invited. I've wandered quite a ways from what I was going to say about Ohio, but here's what's true. The skills, and they are skills, that make us good travelers can be practiced one or two towns over from where we live. All that's required is a place where we're the stranger to challenge ourselves to make a way in. Mark Twain famously said that travel is fatal to prejudice, and he also said that lifetimes of ecstasy crowd into a single moment. We've experienced the truth of that time after time, and in the most ordinary of places, out here off the beaten path. You know, we've been kind of doing the same thing the Burkitts have done. We had great plans to go west, and we didn't because of the crowded and all the wildfires. So we've been hanging around the heartland, and uh, we have really enjoyed it. Places that we normally wouldn't think would be great RV places have been fabulous. Yeah, we've got a lot in our own backyards that we need to check out. Yeah, so... Follow their advice and take it slow, meet the people, talk to the locals, and and, uh, you'll find so many neat things. Well, speaking of neat things, this is neat. We've tied it up in a neat little bundle, and the podcast is over for this week. We'll be back uh, a week from uh, uh, today with uh, episode 357. But for now, we've got some stuff to do in the (laughs) RV and some trip planning to do. So we'll catch you down the road. Happy trails. Thank you.